What is up, guys? Welcome to another edition of the Mark Marauder Show. Feed the market one trade at a time. If you're new to the Mark Marauder Show, it's an investment channel. helps you to find the best deals in the market. All right, today we'll be talking about Delta's impact on the market. So uh, we are what we call in a new normal. Uh, lots of things have changed in the way the economy is going. Uh, lots of people's jobs have changed as well, as well as job titles. And so it is no news that Delta has had an impact on the market as a whole, um, as far as every sector is concerned. So in this episode, just going to be talking about some of the impacts that I've personally seen and some of the updates on the economy. So first, I'm going to talk about uh, Pfizer. Uh, FDA today, uh, on the 17th of September, is going to be voting on the addition of booster shots. So uh, the FDA panel is currently in voting, uh, planning uh, to vote on the booster shots, but they're saying it's recommended that uh, for ages 65 plus, um, I think that's what they're going to start out with, um, a U.S. Food and Drug Administration FDA advisory panel uh, voted unanimously uh, today, uh, recommending Pfizer, PFE, <clears throat> which is their ticker sign, and BioNTech, which is ticker sign BNTX, uh, third dose for Americans 65 years and older. Uh, and for those of high risk of contracting severe uh, COVID-19, uh, the vote authorizing a booster for 65 and older, the panel's second decision of the afternoon following a ruling against booster doses for Americans 16 and over. Uh, the second vote also uh, approved emergency use authorization rather than a supplemental approval uh, of the already fully licensed vaccine. So the booster would go into EUA instead of being uh, fully licensed like the uh, current vaccine is. So uh, that's going to be something different, um, kind of going through the same process that the first ones uh, went through. The CDC advisory panel meeting uh, slated for next week. Uh, so that's going to be uh, after this podcast. Uh, next week, we'll deliver uh, further into uh, what will qualify for the additional dose. So looks like another path forward uh, in combating uh, the pandemic. Uh, also, you know, there is the uh, Moderna one that is currently out there, but they do not have a booster for it. So this is just going to be a booster solely uh, brought to you by uh, the Pfizer uh, company. So as far as Pfizer is concerned, from an investment standpoint, uh, they are currently down uh, $1.85, uh, down today to $43.89. Uh, but I think uh, with this news coming out um, and with uh, the ramp up of another uh, potential uh, vaccine that may help uh, this overall stock price. So definitely from an investment standpoint um, and a market standpoint, I think it's uh, going to be clear that this may potentially go up from here, but it is on a five-day loss uh, from about $45.74, so down today to $43.89. So the CEO of Pfizer um, has been asked about, you know, the other age group, uh, which is five and under. Uh, so the CEO said uh, of Pfizer explain and express uh, a release of clinical trial data uh, on how well its COVID-19 vaccine works in six months uh, to uh, five-year-old children as early as October. So um, this was confirmed on Tuesday, September 14th, uh, basically stating that that data will come out uh, sometime in, the, in October. So very soon on that data uh, coming out. 
Um, and the COVID vaccine data for kids between ages 5 to 11 uh, will come much sooner. I uh, said potentially ready to be submitted to the FDA by the end of this month. So uh, I'm going to be looking for that potentially at the end of September. So definitely a lot of moves being made uh, by Pfizer um, and definitely um, interesting in the battle for uh, the pandemic. Um, so back to, you know, going to the work and the new normal, as we're calling it. Uh, there are a lot of Fortune 500 companies that are going to uh, have positions that are going to be basically remote work from now on. Um, some of those being Amazon. Amazon has a couple positions. Um, life sciences, business development, uh, that's one position. Um, executive intelligence and messaging leader, uh, that's another position. Healthcare and life sciences program manager. Uh, so those three positions uh, are going to be completely remote work uh, from Amazon. Uh, you also have other companies like Cisco, uh, which has Senior Solutions Marketing Manager and a Programmability Content Engineer. Those are going to be permanently remote work jobs. Um, Citizens Bank also has uh, some permanently remote work jobs, which include uh, Payments Platform Experience Owner, uh, Home Mortgage Closing Specialist, and Senior Business Development Officer. Uh, so a lot of different companies uh, have these uh, remote work initiatives where you can actually go in and, and start working remotely, and they're not really bad positions at all. So I think some people look at it and say, well, you know, not really, you know, many companies have remote work positions. You know, I've seen them out there. They, they're they out there, um, and it seems like a lot of people are, you know, transferring uh, different career paths, going to some things that are more remote. Uh, some people jumping to different jobs to get a higher pay increase um, and things of that nature. So definitely um, a new normal for a lot of people, a lot of career changes, um, a lot of people uh, upgrading careers. Some people going back to school as well, taking this time to go back to school um, and then learn a new skill and then get into a different industry. Uh, some people just changing career paths uh, completely in general, but uh, definitely a lot of companies are uh, acclimating to the uh, new work from home uh, initiative that a lot of people uh, are preferring to to do. So next on here, I want to talk about one of the big companies uh, that kind of I think is one of the leaders as far as um, you know how companies in the Fortune 500 world really set up their policies, and this is Apple. So um, Apple had uh, their event this week. Uh, it was very interesting. Um, releasing some new products and some updates on some older products. So uh, definitely interesting with them. Uh, but it says Apple has uh, only agreed to let employees work from home two days a week with limited exceptions. Um, and so that's not really, you know, everybody working from home. Um, you know, I think some companies are saying, you know, they're allowing some people to work from home if they want. Um, but it says Apple is saying, you know, two days a week um, is kind of the maximum. So um, there's a petition letter uh, going out uh, for Apple uh, from some of the employees writing uh, that they want more flexible working conditions um, and they signed it um, in the company uh, departure from Apple's traditionally hierarchical uh, work culture. So there are some people who work from Apple uh, who want to, you know, have a fully remote work um, I think it is kind of a sticky situation for a lot of employers seeing, you know, um, total work from home and then, you know, coming back into the office. Uh, I think the overall goal uh, employers want is to keep employees safe at the end of the day 
and do what's best for um, the company as a whole, as well as for the shareholders. Um, I think a lot of people don't really realize that, you know, buy-in from shareholders is definitely something um, that is taken into consideration when a lot of these decisions are made. So um, I think, you know, the pandemic affected a lot of different people in a lot of different ways, uh, but I think safety um, it would be very reckless for a company to not consider the safety of its employees. So I think there's a lot of due diligence that comes into um, making these different policies. Uh, I know some people, you know, may feel uh, that they're personally being attacked by, um, you know, having to come back into the office and not being able to work remotely all the time. But I do assure you that a lot of these companies have taken a large um, process um, with a lot of due diligence to try to uh, get their employees back to work and safely. So I can't speak for all companies, uh, but definitely ones that have large um, amount of employees and a large capital uh, behind them, I think, are taking uh, the appropriate actions to do so. So um, especially the publicly traded ones, because that reflects um, on, you know, their shareholders and their shareholders want to know how they're combating uh, this pandemic. So uh, definitely very interesting overall uh, in this new normal um, and definitely going to be looking to see how uh, more companies make uh, policies to help um, deter this pandemic. So next, we're going to talk about um, retail sales. So retail sales are actually up, which I thought was very interesting. Uh, so for August, retail sales rose 0.7% um, versus the expectation of 0.8% decline. Uh, so that's definitely good overall. A lot of people are buying uh, more things. I don't know if people are buying early Christmas gifts, but I know uh, there's a lot of people out shopping. Uh, the economy is flooded with people out shopping, people trying to get back to the way things were. Uh, so excluding auto sales uh, increased 1.8% versus a Dow Jones estimate of 0.1% gain. Um, and then the weekly uh, jobless claims increased 332,000 versus the estimate of 320,000. So uh, definitely, um, you know, more people uh, with the jobless claims uh, than expected. Um, and, you know, this is very interesting overall, uh, very backwards economy that we're kind of living in. Uh, but it has become... Uh, you know, the new normal. So it says uh, the pande pandemic's impact uh, did show up sales at bars and restaurants, which were flat through uh, the month, uh, still 31.9% ahead of where they were uh, year over year. Uh, the headline number that have been better without a 3.6% uh, monthly drop in auto-related activity, uh, excluding a sector, sales rose 1.8%, um, also well above the 0.1% gain. Uh, with fears rising over the pandemic, shoppers turned online uh, with non-store sales jumping 5.3%, basically meaning people are shopping online uh, for a lot of their items. Furniture and home furnishings also saw a healthy 3.7% increase, while general merchandise sales rose 3.5%. Uh, electronics and appliances uh, stores saw a 3.1% drop, while sporting goods and music stores fell 2.7%. Uh, the numbers overall reflected a more resilient uh, consumer, with sales up 15.1% uh, from the same period a year ago. So um, definitely uh, people going into different sectors, buying a lot of different things, uh, like, you know, 
not buying electronics, which seems to be a big seller. Very interesting how um, the appliance and electronics dropped uh, 3.1%. Um, and then also sporting goods and music dropped 2.7%. Um, I thought both of those sectors would be, you know, up, you know, especially considering, you know, those are things that people use um, most of the time. You know, going back outside during the summertime, I thought that those sales would be up as well. Uh, but definitely um, very interesting uh, data coming from the market. Um, and we'll see as we get closer to the holiday season how those sales numbers will change. So last we're going to talk about um, unemployment. So that's definitely another uh, hot topic uh, that goes right hand in hand with the impact of Delta um, in the markets. Uh, so unemployment benefits have ended um, in the U.S. Um, and so unemployment insurance of $300 a week uh, has ended for or will end uh, for more than 7 million Americans, uh, which has already happened. Uh, which brings economic uncertainty amidst the resurgence of COVID-19. Approximately 26 states have already ended enhanced unemployment benefits ahead of the expiration date, with some governors stating uh, that these unemployment benefits are uh, decentive for Americans to return to work. So basically discouraging people to go back from work because you're getting money, uh, more money by not working. Um, I'm kind of 50-50 on that. Um, I feel like some people still do need it, but they kind of uh, are shedding a light on the people who do take advantage of it a lot more. Uh, pandemic relief uh, has been an essential way for unemployment uh, Americans to pay for rent, food, and other necessities during the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, and then these are some of the benefits that are ending. So the first one being the federal pandemic unemployment compensation. Uh, second being the pandemic emergency unemployment compensation. Third being mixed earners unemployment compensation. And the fourth being pandemic unemployment assistance. Uh, so the first one, the federal uh, pandemic unemployment compensation. This was the 300 a week of supplemental unemployment benefits. Um, although it was as high as 600 a week. So this is the additional $300 um, in unemployment. And this was the federal unemployment compensation. So that was one of them that ended. Uh, the pandemic emergency unemployment compensation is another one that ended. Um, and it says these unemployment benefits provide a financial relief to those who already exhausted their state's unemployment benefits, which are typically 26 weeks, although it varies state to state. The third being mixed earners uh, unemployment compensation. And then this one, uh, unemployment benefit program provided 100 a week for those uh, who worked as both an independent contractor and employee. Um, and then lastly, the pandemic unemployment assistant. And this one benefits uh, expanded eligibility criteria to include self-employed individuals and freelancers. So. Uh, definitely uh, very interesting overall and in how, you know, that's going to affect the new normal uh, for pandemic unemployment assistance. Uh, 4.2 million people were actually using that uh, for the uh, pandemic emergency unemployment compensation that affected 3.3 million people. Uh, so there are a large group of people who are definitely affected by this being cut off um, and it's going to be, you know, a difficult situation uh, for some of those who definitely uh, counted on it. Now, 
on the horizon, you know, there are some people who are trying to uh, go and fix this. Uh, one of the people being AOC, uh, who's trying to introduce a bill to extend pandemic unemployment uh, insurance to uh, 2022. Um, so with her proposal uh, or her bill that she has, um, she's saying that she wants to establish it um, under the March 2020 CARES Act, uh, which expired uh, over Labor Day. Um, and then if this passed, the aid uh, will be retroactive to September 6th and extended until February 1st, 2022. So uh, definitely going to be extending that out pretty far, February 1st, 2022. Um, and this will be all the benefits that I listed earlier. So she just basically wants to extend all of those benefits, including the $300, uh, an additional uh, unemployment to those uh, who need it. So um, definitely going to be interested to see if this uh, potentially passes or if this def makes it to the house uh, but this would essentially extend those unemployment benefits uh, so some people you know on one side are saying you know cut cut these benefits off um, you know people don't really need them need to go back to work um, and then other people are saying yes we need it um, you know we still need the assistance so it's kind of 50 50 that i've seen in the market um, irregardless uh you know, in the economy, we still are facing a pandemic with the Delta variant, you know, spreading more and more. Um, and then, you know, them trying to ramp up uh, vaccination rates and then the addition uh, or vote on this potential booster shot for uh, adults and people of high risk, 65 years and older. So um, definitely uh, going to be looking to see, uh, you know, how all these impact the market. Um, stock stock prices have been fluctuating as well, so definitely uh, going to be looking to see uh, how those stock prices are affected uh, with some of the companies uh, to look at being some of the vaccine companies and retail markets. So uh, retail markets being like Target, Walmart, um, you know, some places that sell groceries, those are some sectors that have gone back up. Um, and we're going to see, like I said earlier, the electronics and sporting goods sections uh, being some of those sectors that are down. So, um, you know, if you're an investing person, those are definitely some sectors to look at um, as we head into this new normal. So tell me what you think um, of this market. Do you think this is going to be uh, a good market? Do you think the market um, is due for a correction? Do you think that uh, this Christmas season will see as high numbers as the previous Christmas season, especially with unemployment uh, being cut off and retail sales being all over the place where they currently are at. Well, good luck to everybody out there trading, and I'll see you guys next time. Peace.